Hello and welcome to Randomly Generated Rabbit Holes, a Patreon-only series by Anomalous Waves, which is us three. John. Ami. And <coughs> Lilypad. And today our topic is Flatwoods Monster. In the small town of, you guessed it, Flatwoods. So in West Virginia, which Mothman Prophecies fans will know that's also where Mothman comes from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, Mm -hmm. not too far from the Flatwoods. So a lot of cool stuff was happening in the 50s and 60s in West Virginia. So this happened on September 12th in 1952. So I read several different versions of the story. I read articles. I read some old newspapers. I watched some YouTube videos. Yeah. A lot of different things, and all of them have a little kind of different flow. Different variations, for sure. I saw the same thing when I was looking up for my part. I was like, huh, it's a little bit different than the last website. Yeah, so uh, that's why I also looked on newspapers.com. Yes. (laughs) We looked at some old archives of newspapers and stuff. I found one pretty fascinating article from 1955. Someone who you know, grew up in that, in the town of, in Brixton County or whatever. So they were familiar with like how crazy things were Mm -hmm. when this sighting occurred. So like I said, September 12th, 1952, there was seven people who witnessed this. Miss Kathleen May, her two sons, Eddie and Freddie, who were 12 and 13, uh, Ronnie Shaver, Tommy Heyer, which I read was a 10-year-old, Gene Lemons, which I saw something about. I think he was 17 and he was like in the National Guard or something, and Neil Nunley. And I also read that there was a dog, too, with one of the boys. Hmm. The story goes from a lot of them. Eddie and Freddie May and Tommy Heyer were together playing when this article says they saw a flying saucer. Other articles say a ball of fire. They saw it crash and like land Mm -hmm. up on a hill near a a farm. So the boys went and got their mom and then they ran into some other kids. I'm just guessing they were like all excited and people are like, where are you going? And they're like, we saw a thing crash. So they all went together kind of thing, right? So they're going up the hill and this is where there's a lot of different accounts too. But I'm going to primarily kind of mix them all together <laughs> as well as I can. So they they get up the hill. And this is where in the 55 article, it was about 7 o'clock at night, by the way. And Miss um, May said that the air became foggy and misty and there was a peculiar metallic odor. Now, I pretty much heard that everywhere, mm-hmm. that there was a strange smell and a thick kind of fog thing. And this even says, which burned their nostrils and hurt their eyes. Almost like a gas. Almost like a gas. (laughs) Miss May said she saw a huge ball of fire some 100 yards away in a pulsing light, which was making a slight hissing sound. So you already know you're like thinking of a, a hiss, right? But this is in a different order. So it's like the hissing sounds with the ball of fire at this point. So I almost think of like... A, like 60s sci-fi crash ship mm. kind of hissing smoking and hissing kind mm-hmm. of vibe 
So she and the young men went up the hill. They saw this big pulsing ball of light. They said it was about 10 feet or so in diameter. And as they walked along, they saw to their left, about 75 feet away from the glowing object, two lights that resembled powerful flashlights, which seemed to be about a foot apart. So one of the boys turned his flashlight onto the lights, and that's when they saw the creature. So in the 55 article, it describes a huge man-like creature, which they all agreed must have been 10 feet tall. Describing the spectacle, Miss May said it had a bright red face, bright green clothing, a head which resembled the ace of spades, and its clothing from the waist down hung in great folds. So people say metal dress a lot because I think it was just like perfectly Mm -hmm. folded. I don't know. So a lot of times... I know you've seen it too. It's always the the ace of spades thing, mm-hmm. the spade, the bright glowing lights, the kind of red face, sometimes green glowing face actually. Yeah. And then um, metal dress mm-hmm. looking thing. And it's levitating. And what is said, like when they see it, it starts floating towards them. So even in this 55 article, which I'll, I'll link in the, sh- in the little notes part, they say the object, it appeared to be moving toward us as if it were floating through the air. So sometimes this is where the hiss is added in, that it's floating at them and then it hisses and then they run away. And I read some other articles that like Gene Lemons was the first one to freak out. So he might've been the boy that used the flashlight mm-hmm. and he fell back. And the dog was had his tails between his legs and, like, some of the boys peed their pants. You know, this was just, like, people at the diner mm-hmm. saying these kind of things. Because this was a huge – after this happened, they went and reported it and stuff, and it became a huge thing. It was the number 11 story of the year. Yeah, it made international news. Yeah, it was huge. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, that's the main – Flatwoods monster account, right? But there was a couple of other sightings that are really interesting, which I don't even know if you know about these. I don't. So I didn't were, go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> there was one in Heaters County about five miles away, and I think it was the same day. So there was a Miss Audra Harper and her friend. They were walking in the store. They took a shortcut through the woods. About a half mile in, they saw... A ball of fire. But then quickly, it didn't really, like, what I read didn't describe it great. Like, it all of a sudden, instead of the ball of fire, they saw a, a super tall humanoid silhouette. And they freaked out and ran. Mm-hmm. So we got ball of fire and super tall thing only five miles away. Then the next day, on this is where it gets really interesting. The next day, on September 13th, 1952, the day after the initial sighting, there was a sighting in, I think it was called Strange Creek. 
West Virginia, yeah, Strange Creek, West Virginia, about 20 miles away or something like that. I might be off. I didn't write that part down, but I remember something like that. It was still in Braxton County. They were driving down the road, George and Edith Natowski, and they were with their baby when their car stalled out of nowhere. So in an interview in 1996, George told of how they saw a glowing light coming from the woods. He approached it, and he suddenly was overcome by a sulfur-like stench. So we got some smell again. He turned, and hovering over was a humanoid lizard. <gasps> its bottom half was described as like a booster rocket. It hovered above the ground, and George ran to his car with his wife and child, and the smoke made them choke. So you mentioned gas. Mm-hmm. It looked right in at them and circled the car before retreating back into the dark. George said that the creature leaned forward, touched the hood of their car, burning the paint away. George also drew a picture, which is virtually identical to Freddie and his family's description. So this article from an article about the lizard man of Lee County. Really? Yeah, the skateboard swamp lizard man that you just did your thing on. Oh, my gosh. So another thing about the Flatwoods monster is they sometimes mention claw hands. Mm -hmm. Not in the 55 article I read, but I've heard it in other things. Yeah. So, and then when you add the lizard man, but with a kind of booster rocket bottom, you start to go... Well, was the Flatwoods monster so weird looking because it was wearing a suit? Yeah. You know, because a lot of things we read, there's like, it's like a, a box with a light coming out or something crazy. So now is all, did this thing crash? All its stuff is broken. He took half his suit off. So now he's lizard, half lizard. And he's still levitating around <laughs> in his rocket thing. That's so weird because remember the lizard man, he liked to mess with cars. Now, if you if you look, Flatwoods, West Virginia to Lee County is not even 400 miles. So is the lizard man of Skateboard Swamp the Flatwoods monster? Maybe. But out of his suit, did his stuff break down and then all of a sudden he's like tromping through the woods still? I wonder. I don't know. He's always in swampy areas. He's always in swampy areas and he's always like hiding out like that. So that was one thing that I thought was kind of fun because I found it in. I didn't even come across an article. That. Yeah, I did not even come across that about yeah the Lee County Lizard Man, and they're the ones that kind of this article made that leap. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not in South Carolina; it's a couple Mm-mm. states away. But I thought it was still really cool. All those eastern states are so close. So, yeah, yeah, and the. The like booster rocket thing, mm-hmm. it levitating, it and the fireball and mm-hmm. the the pungent smell and the glowing light. It's like those are all parts of the Flatwoods stuff. Yeah. So the other cool thing mentioned about this stuff is that it's really kind of weird. It's like extra weird. People in the fifties making up half lizard man on booster rocket yeah. things and stuff. I guess I would need to know more about what kind of sci-fi stuff was out there at that time but still the correlations are interesting the other thing that you noticed was the 
pungent gas mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I know, you know, you like to make a lot of jokes about the stinkiness, <laughs> but there really is some strange correlations between the smell of like sulfur dioxide. Yeah. And like rotten eggs and rotten meat and stuff. Yeah. And like weird phenomena. Yeah. So I know you had, was it the Honey Island Swamp Monster? Yeah. Was particularly stinky. Very stinky. And the Kushtaka? Kushtaka can be stinky. Or at least in that Harry Culp. Yeah, and the Harry Culp one. It smelled like like rotten flesh. Stinking, yeah. rotting flesh. Yeah, he talked about. And I mean, we know um, our my main man, Bigfoot, is stinky. Yeah, the skunk ape. Yeah, right. stinky. What else is? I think a lot of stuff I've covered has been stinky. I mean, it's a common theme with me. It is funny, and it also just happens when I start researching. I mean, I don't pick them out by their stink factor, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, it's just cryptids. Yeah, like it's cryptids a lot of times, stinky. they're stinky. Maybe it's their perfume. I don't know. I don't want to make fun of them. Well, so here's the thing: is I don't know what it is about it, but I know I found a lot of stuff about stinkiness. So one, blue stuff and wand-waving frogmen, mm-hmm. I don't think he was stinky, right? The f- No, somebody Loveland said frog he man. smelled like almonds oh, yeah. and like some kind of grass. Yeah, but like an earthy kind of smell. Earthy. So that's kind of interesting. But um, so Springhill Jack, remember the blue stuff, like the blue balls of fire or whatever, the mist that he would spray out, and that sometimes they would you know, become like kind of unconscious. Like uh, in a Passport to Magonia, Jacques Vallée talks about it. And he says, uh, let's see, most of the witnesses were women. Some of them reported falling unconscious after a device was pointed at them by the visitor who left a strange glowing smell. Mm. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff involving you know, some sort of pungent gas and then people going unconscious or going into like some sort of hypnotized kind of trance state. So I even read an article about uh, Yakima and Sila where some ladies in their garden in like 1911 or something smelt a pungent gas smell. And then the mystery airship was seen just a little bit after that. So there's tons of mystery airship sightings around there in 1911. Yeah, so much so sense. that 500 cars went searching for it, and like Boy Scouts stayed up all night looking for it and stuff. Oh my gosh. But there was a pungent gas smell. But I did find this one interesting story that I wanted to read. Let's bring in some rain sound effects. October 12th, 1963. It was raining hard between Monte Maez and Isla Verde in Argentina. As Eugenio Douglas drove his truck loaded with coal along the road, dawn was coming. Suddenly, Douglas saw a bright spot on the road ahead, like the headlights of an approaching vehicle, except that it was a single blinding light. To avoid a collision, Douglas slowed down. The light became so intense he had to lower his head and move to the side. When TC stopped the truck and got out, the light had disappeared. 
Through the rain, Eugenio Douglas could now see a circular metallic craft, about 30 feet high. An opening became visible, making a second area of light less intense and three figures appeared. They looked like men, but they were wearing strange headdresses with things like antenna attached to the headpieces. They were over 12 feet tall. There was nothing repulsive about the entities, said Douglas, but he was terribly scared. As soon as he was seen by the figures, a ray of red light flashed to the spot where he stood and burned him. Grabbing a revolver, he fired at the three entities and ran off toward Monte Maez. But the burning red light followed him as far as the village, where it interfered with the street lights, turning them violet and green. Douglas could smell a pungent gas. Douglas ran to the first house and shouted for help. Ribas, the owner, had died the previous night, but his family, gathered around the body, reported that at the same time they heard Douglas's call, the candles in the room and the electric lights in the house turned green, and the same strange smell was noticed. They rushed to open the door. There was Douglas in the pouring rain, his overcoat over his head and a gun in his hand. The street lights had changed color. Eugenio Douglas was taken to the police station, where the burns on his face and hands were clearly seen. The police, it turned out, had received a number of calls about the light's color change, but they had attributed the change to irregularities in the local power plant, which, however, would hardly account for the change in the candle lights. That particular observation was not an illusion. Douglas was examined by a doctor who stated the burns had been caused by a radiation similar to ultraviolet. According to Douglas, he had felt the burn when exposed to a red beam. When villagers went to the site where the truck was still parked, they found large footprints, nearly 20 inches long, but they were shortly afterward washed away by the rain. So, smell again, mm -hmm. pungent gas kind of smell, mm -hmm. super tall beans. So I was just looking for smells yeah. at this point, but there was a very similar kind of light going on. And then this time three entities, super tall, and that some of the townspeople even saw footprints. But the really weird part about that one to me is that when they heard him like outside their house, they started... Their lights turned green, and so did their candlelight. Yeah. Which is really weird. So not just electricity, but also candlelight. And then they started smelling the pungent gas too. It's almost like as if he was traveling, as he was traveling after he got shot with the beam thing, he started like spreading this weirdness around with him. That's weird. But the doctors... Apparently, and this is, you know, from Passport to Magonia oh. by Jacques Vallée. He's a very serious researcher. Yeah. I've talked about him a bunch of times. But that's a really interesting story with the, the, the pungent smell. I also found, you know, I won't go super into it, but in Where the Footprints End, um, it talks about poltergeist and odors mm -hmm. and Bigfoot in odors, mm -hmm. how there's like kind of a mixture of that. 
So it says, uh, so this is uh, Where the Footprints End by Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin. I've talked about it a bunch of times, but it's from Volume 1 Folklore. It says, Joseph Glanville, witness to the drummer of Tedworth case, claimed the spirit left a sulfurous smell behind it, which was very offensive. The 1974 poltergeist of Bridgeport, Connecticut, generated an odor compared to burning matches and sulfur. There's a bunch of stuff like that. And then it talks about Class B reports with uh, Bigfoot, Mm -hmm. you know, the BFRO or whatever. And, you know, how a lot of times there's smells kind of like a skunk or something. And he makes an interesting point in this. He talks about a lot of times pets start going kind of wild when some sort of phenomena is happening, right? Yeah, they do. And they always kind of attribute it to uh, them being able to see these invisible entities. Or knowing a predator. I've always kind of thought that, of like they can see them somehow. But in his book, which I'm going to get you pretty soon, by Joshua Cutchin, it's called The Brimstone Deceit, and it's all about smells. (laughs) So it's going to be your your stinky (laughs) go-to. But in it, he talks about, um, he says, perhaps contrary to so much speculation, animals cannot see things invisible to humans, but can rather smell them. Liar. (laughs) I think they can see things. Well, I think that's a good idea, though, that they smell something off and they're like, that's not right. Yeah. What is that thing? There's a strong smell in this one corner. Smell is their strongest sense. Yep. Well, that and hearing. I think their sense of smell is stronger. So he also talks about, um, in another section, it's Bigfoot and fairy kind of folklore. Mm-hmm. And there's earthen-type smells, which mm-hmm. kind of makes me think of the frogman. Yeah. And also sulfurous kind of smells mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, folklore. In uh, the Irish puka exuded fire and stench of brimstone from its nostrils, while in East Lancashire... Fairy stones called boggard stones exuded a similar odor when rubbed together. In one 19th century account, a Yorkshire man compared the odor of fairies to the stench of subterranean gases, like a reference to sulfur compounds like hydrogen sulfide or sulfur dioxide. Mm. So even in fairy stuff, in Bigfoot stuff, in UFO stuff, even from our hometown in 1911... There's a lot of weird things to do with this, specifically sulfur smell. Yeah. You know, people always talk about the rotten meat and demons mm-hmm. kind of thing even, right? In scary movies, I think. Talk yeah. about poltergeist. Didn't you smell something once? We were looking at my family's old cattle ranch. We used to have a bunch of cattle. Um, and we were just out there. I mean, it's all belongs to the tribe again now. Well, we leased it from the tribe. Our fa- my family did, and now just the tribe owns it, and I think they're kind of using it just for kind of like wildlife and stuff now. They don't lease it out anymore. It's just just there. But um, we went out there looking, and we were looking at, like, these little birds and looking at the – oh, we're looking at, like, a pond. But when we were walking by, we could just smell – just in one part, just something really rotten. It came on just really suddenly. I mean, we looked around. We couldn't see anything, Ned. And it was only because when we moved away, we moved a couple feet. It was that smell was just completely gone. 
And that's when they had those thistles that were over 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And we could see something moving in there, which would be hard for any animal to do because those are very thick. And if you don't know what thistles are, they're very prickly. So so it's not like some stinky skunk no, back there. something couldn't. The animals usually avoid it like that because it gets stuck in their fur or, you know, it gets in their paws. So, yeah, weird smells. Mm-hmm. But then one other thing I just want to mention really quick. So in this Last story I read from Passport to Magonia, it talks about interference with the lights, mm-hmm. right? And in the story that, you know, happened in, I think, Strange Creek or whatever in Braxton County, the one where it was like half lizard man sighting, their car stalled. It just completely shut, shut off hmm. before, you know, the interaction with the lizard man or whatever. And that's another super, super common thing is electronics going wrong. So even like ghost hunters, which I don't even like that term, ghost hunter. I feel like it's like aggressive. Ghost searchers, would you like <laughs> Maybe that? ghost searchers maybe is better, but I think they call, they call themselves ghost hunters. But I would be like anomalous activity investigator or something is what I'm going to call myself. Ghost enthusiast. <laughs> but, um, you know, they even report like, you know, their cameras going dead or batteries mm-hmm. fully draining. Well, when we stayed at that one place in Oregon last summer, remember the really creepy old shed that was intact from when the house was built in the 1900s? Mm-hmm. The Artie kept... Going in there, something about that real that place really fascinated her. Artie's mm-hmm. our dog, by the way. It's not like a person; it's a border collie. And I went in there to take a picture of what she's staring at in the corner. In the in the corner, my camera died, and then it went corrupt. I lost all. Oh, of, I forgot about that. Yeah, all my pictures on that camera were lost because the my little um. What is it? SD. Yeah, my little SD card went corrupt. I've never been able to bring it back. But when I used my little Polaroid camera, it worked fine. But one of the pictures didn't turn out right. One of them came out and it was all white. So I had to do it again. That's weird too. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. So we have those, right? Weird electrical kind Mm -hmm. of things. That's, of course, associated with poltergeist behavior. Lights going on and off. Seems to be like weird electrical stuff. I'm always reading phantomsandmonsters.com because I love it. It's just got so many witness reports. So what they think is the first sighting of bat squatch, which I don't know if you've heard of, but is from around Mount Rainier. So this happened April 19th, 1993. Brian Canfeld was driving his truck along the foothills of Mount Rainier when suddenly he experienced total engine failure and his headlights went out. All of a sudden, a nine-foot-tall, broad-shouldered, winged creature landed about 30 feet away. The bean had a large mouth with sharp teeth, yellow eyes, a wolf-like face, and was covered with bluish fur. After a few minutes, the creature turned his head, looked at the witness, and started flapping its wings. The creature then took off towards Mount Rainier. The witness then was able to start his truck and drive away. A later search of the area failed to locate anything. 
his car stalls, then this weird thing appears, then it takes off, then his car can work again. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. Because cryptids, you think of just like kind of, just kind of monster, Mm -hmm. I don't know, organic. Mm -hmm. So interfering with electricity. But then if you go back to the weird stories I talked about, Bigfoot turned into a ball of light that makes a sizzly electrical sound when it disappears, you know, maybe it's like Men in Black style where there's a little alien in there. Maybe. And they just, it's really just a tiny little creature making it look like it's some big, super scary thing. That's so weird that you mentioned the bat squatch thing because, I mean, my whole thing I went on is everything that has been inspired by the Flatwoods monster. Yeah, let me hear. I'm excited to hear about this. So one of them is kind of a combination between the Flatwoods monster and the bat squatch. Mm. So it's weird you mentioned it. So Pokemon has a creature that is called uh, Lunala. It's a large Pokemon that has a skeletal. It's a large skeletal Pokemon. It's legless and it's a bat. Mm. It has a short snout, dark pink eyes, and it has like deep blue color. Mm. Yeah, it has blue wings and a light blue light source that appears to glow from behind its rib cage. Mm. But its head looks like the helmet that the Flatwoods monster wore. The spade kind of. Yeah, thing. that's why it reminded me because it's not when you first look at it, you can't tell it's a bat. It looks like a very similar shaped. Cool. So the cover of this little episode. I have the original, like, drawing that someone did for it. But I'll have a PDF with, like, these Pokemon and different things that you found, too. Okay. Yeah, so there are a lot of fictional characters in pop culture and just media now in general that are clearly inspired by the Flatwoods monster. One of them is in The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Masks. There are ghosts that are referred to as they or them. They invade Romany Ranch on the night of the first day. So I was like, what is the night of the first day? So I guess in the game, okay, the first day is the first of the three total days that Link has before the moon crashes in the clock town and destroys all of the Termina and Majora's mask. So they appear on the first night. They're kind of ghost-like. And they come and invade the town next to a ranch to steal the cows. To steal the cows. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, they're very ghostly, kind of glowing aliens. They come at night every year when the Carnival of Time approaches, and they disappear at first light just before dawn. Wow, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. So Flatwoods Monster is featured in a lot of video games, especially Japanese games. And some of the games that I found are like Fallout 76. The Flatwoods Monster is encountered randomly at night, and it can teleport around. It can also take control of other creatures and robots around it and use it to defend itself. But it's more of a purple glowy, was like the helmet that I saw on the cover. Mm -hmm. It's also in Data East Arcade 1, Wild Arms, Omegan, Nez game from 1988. It's like a final boss. And in an article called the West Virginia monster that crept into international pop culture. It was put out by WV Public Broadcasting, and the reporter's name was Caitlin Tan, and she interviewed Andrew Smith, who's the executive director of the Braxton County Visitor Center and founder of the Flatwoods Monster Museum. 
So I saw the article. It was super cool because, I mean, they have just collected a whole bunch of things from all over that look like the Flatwoods Monster. So a lot of them from, like, Japan. But the ones from Japan kind of were orange-looking that they put out. Mm. And a lot of, like, the video games he's in, just all, like, the posters. He even has, like, a tattoo of the Flatwoods Monster. <laughs> but Andrew brings up that he has a – that the Flatwoods Monster has, like, a large Japanese following. And he thinks it began in, like, the 60s and 80s. And the characters featured in some older Japanese video games. They were also made into figurines, but they have like an anime cartoon look with bright colors and a very large toothy mouth. Mm-hmm. Is it mostly like the the dress and then the spade? Some of them, and some of and them then it just big eyes. yeah, like big eyes, and then it just looks kind of like kind of more like the Fallout one, just kind of alien type. And the uh, Flatwoods Community Volunteer Fire Department, they sell shirts with the creature on them. Really? Yeah, they're only like 25 bucks. <laughs> and all the proceeds go, I mean, just towards them being able to have like equipment and repair the trucks and things. But yeah, he's just in so much of video games. I mean, there was a list that had, I mean, like 50 of them. I only listed like some of them, but yeah. He's in a lot of games, and so is Mothman in, this, in another Fallout one. He's also in there. Yeah, and you were just talking about, like, yeah, them selling, you know, T-shirts with them and stuff. It's like when when the first initial thing happens, it's like you become the town, like, fool. Yeah. Everyone makes fun of you. And then if you look years later, there's like the giant Mothman festival in Point Pleasant. I think there's like a Flatwoods like, thing now. Oh, I guarantee too. there's a Flatwoods festival. I mean, Flat there's a museum, festival. so he's probably got a festival. Yeah, so it becomes like a point of like pride because, and it becomes a reason for people to visit areas that yeah. maybe they wouldn't have visited. I mean, it put the town on the map, so. So that's really interesting that like a small town in West Virginia, because of this one sighting, you know, which is a really wild sighting and an interesting case, but it's like changed the lives like of that town. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I know. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, I had no idea about this until you brought it up. I'd never heard of him, but yeah, I'm not gonna lie, he's pretty cute, terrifying but cute. Thanks for listening. See you later. All right, Lily. Smell you later, I should oh, say. Smell you later. That's good. Lily. <laughs>